With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Orange and Blue Blood, hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beard. Let's get to it, New York. The series has officially shifted to New York this weekend as the Knicks get set to host the Cavs for Game 3 at Madison Square Garden. Both teams split the first two games with the Knicks stealing Game 1 in Cleveland and the Cavs cruising to a blowout win in Game 2. So here are the important numbers when you come into a Game 3 of a best-of-seven series in the 2-2-1-1-1 format. Um, after splitting the first two games of a 7 game series, there's a 76% chance of winning the series if you win Game 3. Um, those teams that win Game 3 after a split in the first two games are... 227 and 69 overall um lower seeds that win game three after splitting the first two games on the road have a 56 chance of advancing past uh, this round um there are 46 and 36 over the course of the entire nba history in the 22111 format so that is what is on the line for the knicks uh overall 76 percent chance of winning the series and for their predicament being a team that is the lower seed a 56 percent chance of winning the series so this is one of the crucial games. This is uh, when you're talking about the seven-game series, the series that go long. Game three and game five, oftentimes, are kind of the, the shift where the series happens. So uh, as we come into this game, uh, Tommy, what is your uh, one major key to a Knicks victory? Um, I think if we're going to pick one, we'll go with take care of the basketball. Um, mm-hmm. It was one of the... You know, one of the keys to the Knicks' success all season long, um, they're not the best shooting team, um, but they shoot well enough. They're not the, you know, they're, they're one of the better, you know, rebounding teams, and they, they certainly rebound well enough. That's another key. Um, you know, they're not, uh, you know, they, they're not a great passing team, but they pass the ball well enough. What they do really well is take care of the basketball and um, – uh, very small sample size, obviously just two games, but the Knicks currently lead the lead all teams in the postseason in turnover rate um, mm-hmm. over 18 percent. The only team in the NBA doing such. Um, uh, so that's something that they really need to tighten up, um, you know, lock down on. Um, again, we know that the Cavs are going to play elite on the defensive end of the floor where you need to, you can't have unforced errors. A lot of those turnovers have also been live ball turnovers, which lead to transition buckets for the Cavs. Um, and many of them have been unforced errors. So those are things that that the Knicks need to clean up. Um, we'll get into some matchups and some other stuff. But if I just had to pinpoint, um, seems like kind of a mundane, you know, topic. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, in a game that, you know, could be, you know, likely will be a, you know, a two, three or one possession game, five point game um, late in the fourth quarter. Um, each possession matters. So the Knicks need to make the most of their possessions. Yeah, I like I like the turnover conversation being the one to start, because I agree that has been one of their strengths this season. And one of the reasons why when we talk about why their offensive efficiency and offensive rating has been so high, uh, one of the highest in NBA history, which seems incredible considering we don't look at the Knicks as a high-powered offense per se, um, a lot of that has to do with the fact that they don't turn the ball over. Um, they get Not only do they, they get shots on every possession most of the time, they also get offensive rebounds. This also adds to that offensive efficiency. So you're right. If they, they, They're going to win this game. They're going to have to keep the turnovers down, uh, especially in the half court. 
Um, but that point kind of leaves me in saying with the team kind of theme with this situation, you're talking about uh, turnovers uh, before we get to individuals. I think the Knicks got to get back into their running game. Um, I thought it was a big key to their really strong first half in game one. And Josh Hart talked about it at halftime. The Knicks, uh, 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 I don't know who did the halftime. Someone did the halftime interview with uh, with uh, with uh, Rebecca Harlow on with the Knicks MSG. But I think one of his coaches also talked about the fact that they had to run. It might have been Dice who did it. But um, that it was, I thought, a, a major key because Cleveland has such a strong half-court defense. Um, expecting to score on them consistently and 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 not turn the ball over consistently against that defense could be a tall order because we saw how effective they were in game two. So I think the Knicks, if they're going to win this game, they're going to have to make sure they get some easy baskets in transition. That's where I'm looking at Obi Toppin getting in transition. RJ Barrett's got to get the ball in transition. We know Josh Hart is a missile going to the basket in transition. And, then, and I think some of the struggles he had in game two was because there were no transition opportunities or the Knicks, they, Knicks didn't really look for them. In order to do that, you need to do a couple of things. You need to uh, rebound the ball well, which Knicks normally do, but didn't do that great in game uh, game two. And two, you have to cause turnovers on the, on the defensive end. So with the Knicks defense, they're also going to have to be a little more aggressive and turn off the heat. We saw what Cleveland did in game two. This is going to have to return the favor in game three. But I think the Knicks, uh, a major key to this game will have to be uh, getting some points in transition because they got pretty much none, it seemed like, in that uh, in that, uh, in that that last game. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's a really good point, and it leads to the fact you the Knicks were in trouble when they let the Cavs set up uh, their half-court defense, and they have to operate against that half-court. We we know about the defenders they have on the perimeter. Um, we saw that the 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 better job that um, Karis LeVert did um, uh, defensively on Jalen Brunson, um, so that you know that that kind of you know gummed up the works a little bit for, yeah. for um, the Knicks offensive attack. Um, and in and so definitely getting out in transitions of one way to avoid, to, to uh, prevent the Cavs from setting up their daunting defense with the twin towers back there um, defending the rim. Um, and another thing to, uh, you know, along those same lines of a team offensive concepts, um, because I think we both agree defensively, Knicks have been fine in the series. Um, you know, yeah. Mitchell went off in the first game, but they kept everybody else in check. Um, you know, Garland obviously had a the big game in, in game two, um, but the Knicks only gave up 107 points. Um, yeah, Knicks, second half, I thought they guarded really well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, during the regular season, I think they were 18 and one when they held the opponents under 108 points, something like that. Um, obviously, you know, you hold a team to 107 points, you give yourself a chance to win. Um, it's on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so in that kind of big picture, um, making quicker decisions when the Cavs blitz Jalen Brunson top of the key um, near the half court line. Those are when Brunson, it's something we've talked about on yesterday's pod. Um, so if you missed it, definitely go back and check it out. Yeah. Um, we kind of talked about that specific, that, that specific um, offensive concept when if they, they, they blitz hard off the doubles, Brunson one has to do a better job of making quicker decisions, less dribbling, trying to dribble around guys, um, kick it to the uh, the open the open uh, player, whether that's Mitchell Robinson at the top of the key or at the nail, um, or, or or more importantly, I think um, skip the ball to the opposite side of the floor um, and, and give some some players some opportunities to score that way. In addition, um, I'd like to see IQ and Brunson play a little bit more together. 
Um, and this way have Brunson have, have IQ as the initial uh, as the initiator of the offense and have Brunson kind of play off the ball a little bit more where he can catch the ball uh, on the wing, foul line extended, throw a pump fake and get into the lane and kind of do his thing or knock down threes. Um, but don't re rely so specifically um, and, and don't become so ISO uh, Brunson dependent um, that is to the detriment of the, the team as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I really was frustrated with how Brunson started that game. Um, I, I I think I tweeted it as soon as it was happening. I was like, Brunson's got to move the ball. So that was – if I didn't tweet, I know I definitely texted my dad because uh, we would always talk back and forth during these games. And I think that was the first thing I tweeted, like, Brunson's got to pass. Like, what's going on? So, yeah, I think they got to get these other guys involved. Like, I think um, uh, one of the, the X factors or, you know, key players, I think, in this game will be Emmanuel Quickly. I know he did get – some baskets against, you know, garbage time players in the fourth quarter. So, man, his numbers look way better than he played. He did not have – he had another really bad game. But, like, they really need him to get going. Like, you saw what Cal Avert did for the Cavs and how that really kind of changed how they looked entirely offensively. In that first game, it was basically, you know, Diamond Mitchell and a little bit of Darius Garland. That was it offensively. Once you add Garland playing the way he was and then you add, you know, Cal Avert not giving you 24 – it just kind of shifted everything defensively. It made things a lot harder for the Knicks. So I think if the Knicks are going to return the favor, I know I'm almost confident that Brunson and Randall will answer the bell and have a good game three. There's got to be someone else in that mix, and it's got to be Emmanuel Quickly. He's been the guy for this whole second half of the season. I, one, thing, one thing about Quickly, I mean, I, I, I kind of laughed when I thought of it. Um, if he struggles again in game three, try to sign him to a contract extension, like in the first five minutes after the game ends, you know, <laughs> or even before the start of game three. I know, right? Bounce back, you know, give me, listen, quick, you, you know, you're struggling in the playoffs. We'll give you a four-year deal, but only at the league minimum, you know. We'll, 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 <laughs> it, 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 maybe we'll give you 10 million, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, that's, yeah, I guess. They, I guess, they should have put off of that contract at halftime in game two. <laughs> exactly. We would have been in great shape. Exactly. I guess that's the only bright side to the quickly struggles. If you're looking for one, um, if he does continue to struggle inexplicably the rest of the series, I don't think it'll happen. Um, but maybe get a little discount on the extension this summer. And like, it's so weird. Like one thing I will say, I do credit Cleveland. Like they have definitely quickly is very high on this kind of report to me clearly because the, yes. the attention to detail and the intense ball pressure they're putting on him, I think yes. is, I think it surprised him. I, yes. I, don't, I think he's used to being lower on the depth chart and kind of being able to, you know, kind of so take teams by surprise with his aggressive offense. Um, that possession where Garland was all over him and he got trapped and had to just throw the ball away, that kind of set the tone, I thought, for how the rest of that game was going to go in game two. The game was tied at that point. It was 22-22. It would go lead to a leak out. Eventually it ends in a crash over three to end the quarter, and that kind of was where yeah. – Cleveland started rolling, but that's the kind of defense he's seen from everybody that's guarded him. Karis LeVert actually was his primary defender in game one, and I thought that LeVert was doing a great job on him in that game, even though LeVert couldn't score. So yeah. that uh, physicality, the length, um, and the ball pressure they're putting on quickly uh, has really bothered him, and I, don't, I think he's also been a little gun-shy going at those bigs. He's got to be more aggressive because he's so good at drawing fouls, too. Um, even if he can just get these guys to get him back to the free throw line. He could cause havoc, you know. I think what I want to see, because of the way the rotations have gone with Randall coming out so early in the game, which has been so jarring, I've liked it, actually. Like, I think that I like seeing Obi get earlier in the game and get a mix with some of those starters, get some of those transition baskets. So I actually think it's – that's why they played so well in game one. But I would like to see quickly get more time with Brunson. 
Because what I've seen in that rotation is because quickly is coming in so late, they're letting Brunson play basically 11 minutes of the first quarter, and then yeah. he's coming in for Brunson. Normally, the sub is he's coming in for RJ. That's how it's been. Um, and now that's not the case, or Grimes, whichever one. And because that switch has happened, now he comes in, he comes to lead guard. Normally, it's been fine, but he's been struggling in, in, with this rotation so far. I like to see him get out there with Brunson, so therefore he can play against a secondary defender. And maybe he can get some spot up opportunities, so it's not so much pressure on him to create his own offense. We know he can, but right now he's struggling. I think that that would be an adjustment I would make here. Uh, maybe you go OB first, but then instead of taking out uh, Brunson in the eleven minute mark, or maybe going Josh Hart so early, maybe you go to quickly first and see if you can get him going before you go to Josh Hart. We know Josh Hart whenever he gets in, he's gonna do what he does. And I, I think he's, I think he's kind of unflappable in that regard. So that'd be a tweet that I would see the rotation. I don't know if Tibbs is gonna do it. But that'd be one thing I'd look at. I also want to see Deuce McBride play. I said it uh, yesterday's podcast as well. I think, given how quick and how dynamic their guards are, I think you got to be able to steal, you know, five to ten minutes in this game of McBride picking up those guys full court and and just wearing those guys out. They're gonna have to play a lot of minutes. Their their bench is going now to like almost eight, almost really seven men. So they got to be able to wear these guys down. The Knicks have the depth advantage. And we got a guy with McBride who's an A-plus defender. I think you got to find a way to run him out there against Mitchell and Garland. So those would be some of the adjustments I'd like to see the rotation. Will it happen? Tibbs, who knows? Totally agree. Um, two things. Um, Thibodeau, uh, just uh, some of the beat writers are reporting for yes. practice day. We're recording this at one around 1.30 uh, Thursday afternoon. Um, Thibodeau says Randall's ready to go back to his usual rotation. Um, okay. uh, he's been subbing out five ish. This is Fred Katz. He's been subbing out five ish minutes into the first quarters for conditioning reasons. Um, so it sounds like Randall will play his typical usual allotment of first quarter minutes. So, um, that may lead to, as you mentioned, um, uh, IQ coming a little bit earlier because they're going to push back Obi's entrance to the game. Um, but uh, hopefully we should still see some Obi. He inexplicably only played uh, six minutes um, in game two. So hopefully um, he'll get some, he'll, he'll maintain some, some additional, his playing time. Um, and the other thing, yes. Um, uh, the, I, I think depth is a very important issue um, because a very unique situation here. Um, we know about, uh, much has been made about the gap in between games one and two, the gap in between games uh, two and three. Now we go Friday, relatively late tip, 8.30 Eastern time. Game's not going to end until 11 o'clock or whatever. Yeah. Then Sunday at one o'clock. Um, so wh- wh- while not a back-to-back, that's as close to a back-to-back as you're going to get in the postseason. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we know about the Cavs re- relying heavily on their core four, you know, their, their main four guys, um, and, and, and Levert also playing around 30 minutes. Um, if those guys, you know, if, if Mitchell and Garland and Mobley and Allen play 40 plus minutes a night, um, how fresh are they going to be? Um, on, uh, you know, come Sunday afternoon. So that's something to, to keep in mind. And again, to your point, um, uh, throw throw McBride out there, try to wear these guys out, run f- healthy bodies, fresh bodies, press Garland 94 feet, um, IQ pick them up 94 feet, McBride pick them up 94 feet, really try to wear these guys down, you know, make it a grind just to get the ball up the court. It also delays their installation of their offense once they cross half court. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, we talked about it uh, on Wednesday's pod, but again, I think it's a really important point to reiterate. They got to get Quentin Grimes more involved in the offense. Um, Definitely. So Grimes 
Williams wasn't a good player towards the end of the season. He was he was playing at a really high level. Final nine games of the regular season, averaged 22 points while shooting 54% from the floor and 48% from downtown. Um, dude had two field goal attempts in game two. For the series, he's averaging three field goal attempts. He's yet to attempt the shot inside the arc. Um, mm. This has to be a they, – the Knicks have to prioritize – getting Grimes involved. Um, you know, it, you know, we, we, we heard for two days uh, and Garland wanted to tell everybody after game two, everyone yelled at me, shoot the ball, be aggressive, you know, right. and, and while Grimes is not nearly on the level yet of, of a Garland type offensive threat, we've seen over the last month of the regular season, this wasn't a two game sample size um, over the second half of the season, and particularly the last month of the same uh, of the regular season. Yeah. He was a very valuable contributor scored, scored efficiently, Distributed the ball well, got into the paint, collapsed the defense, found iHeart for dunks, <laughs> found Mitchell Robinson for dunks, found Randall for dunks. Um, you know, create easy baskets. Um, that's something that the Knicks need. Um, and uh, those shots have to come from somewhere. So, you know, Barrett, if he continues to be inefficient, not only should his minutes get cut, um, he should he should log less than 30 minutes. But also while he's on the floor. Um, you know, some of his shot attempts should be real allocated to Grimes as well. So I think that's a really, really important part going forward. Uh, you know, and 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 again, yeah. we we talked about it Wednesday. This is not it's no buddy buddy. You know, he's 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 our third round. You know, he's a third overall pick. He's only twenty two. We think he's you know he's been a really good guy in the locker room. All that's out the window now. This is the most important game of the season. Um, it's do or die. You, you know, if a guy's not performing, bump him to the bench. Um, you know, and I'm not saying take him out of the starting lineup, but drastically reduces minutes. Yeah, I mean, we saw what happened to Isaac Okoro. That guy played three minutes, and he was it was it was curtains. He had the Alfred Payton treatment. I mean, exactly. Like, and Okoro's a top five pick himself. So right, you, exactly. You you got to do what you got to do in situations like this. We know Barrett has the ability to contribute, um, but he needs to do it in order to stay on the floor. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And on the the Grimes point, I think as you know, you know, you talked about how people in Cleveland, everybody was yelling at Garland to you know be aggressive, shoot the ball. I think everybody in New York needs to be talking to everybody in the starting line that's not Quinn Grimes, saying, "Hey, get Quinn Grimes the ball," <laughs> you know, saying like because Grimes, like he's not even getting chances to be a, a threat offensively. Like he's not even getting looked, and it's crazy because when he those two shots he took, I thought were rushed. I think part yes. of it was because he was like, "I don't know, I'm getting the ball back, so yeah. I'm letting it fly." So, like, a lot of that, that entire team, and I'm hoping they're seeing it in the film, is that they got to find these other guys in the offense to get them going. Like, when I think about why the Knicks struggled so mightily against Atlanta, it was because they had too many ducks. It was like, if it wasn't Randall, you throw the ball to a guy, and they were not a threat to do anything offensively, which is why Atlanta was able to just key in entirely on Randall. We saw in the last game, like I said, that I thought that the Cavs would do, what they were going to blitz they were going to try to get the ball out of Jalen Brunson's hands, which is what they were trying to do. Brunson was still trying to shoot anyway. He was going to shoot out of it. But, like, in those situations, when that happens, they got to be able to get the ball to Grimes, get the ball to these other guys, and get these guys involved. So, for the Knicks, I think so much of it, yes, it's got to be on Grimes. He's got to be aggressive when he gets it. 
but they got to actually give him the ball and give him get him an opportunity to actually make plays because they can't have it be just Randall and Brunson and then that's it. Like they they're not going to win if that's if that's how the series is going to go. Hundred percent to your point. Um, good uh, tweet from Benji Ritzholtz here. Um, over two games uh, over the first two games of the series, uh, Grimes is averaging twenty four minutes, um, but he's averaging just twenty two point five touches per game. It's the lowest t- average touches for any playoff player average uh, playing 22 minutes a game um, and the third low is for anyone averaging 20 20 plus Knicks have to get the ball to the second side so yeah I mean it's just it, it again if, if the Knicks weren't blitzing Brunson it wasn't as big a deal because you know but now that they are they especially have to focus on skipping the ball um, and and that when that defense collapses and overloads the one side of the floor you got to get the, that's another reason to get the ball to Grimes um, it just makes basketball sense and real quickly, as we move the series to New York, what do you expect from the Garden crowd? I mean, it's been now you know a year removed from missing the playoffs and having that Atlanta series where we saw those first two games in Madison Square Garden were completely unhinged in some ways. In some ways, you know, one idiot you know took it too far with it, spitting on yeah. a young incident, of course. But beyond that, um, it was an absolutely electric, awesome crowd. We saw how Sacramento was the first two games with that crowd uh with the kings what are you expecting from the garden crowd i'm sure you think it's going to be quite a quite a scene there yeah definitely i was uh in the building for that first game against the hawks um and not only was it the knicks first appearance in the postseason um since 2013 but it was also kind of the first full i think it was the first game at full capacity after covid so it was just like a yeah. it was like a, a release of of angst and anger and happy and joy so it was, it was all that stuff mixed up into one um the only downside for you know comparing nicks you know the garden crowds to previous crowds and even 15 20 25 years ago is that the the common fan has been priced out of the arena yeah um, the, the initial ticket prices are exorbitant um, for the postseason, and it's very difficult to get in on those. You know, those they sell out quickly. Um, secondary, secondary markets: a thousand dollars, eight hundred dollars, seven hundred dollars a ticket. Um, so it's really difficult for um, you know, I don't want to say true fans, but fans without means um, to to go to each game and sit close to the action. Um, that being said, there will be plenty of Nick fans in and around the Garden. Um, the, the Garden will be extremely loud, fired up. Um, they understand the importance of this contest. They've been waiting a long time um, to watch their favorite team play in a game with meaning. Um, and again, you know, uh, it's not only, you know, just game three on the line. It's, it, has, it portends significantly for the rest of the series. Um, who knows what's going on with that Milwaukee-Miami series, although uh, the Bucks got an important victory. Looks like they'll get Giannis yep. back in game three and, and should be able to essentially cruise to victory. Um, but still, you never know. Um, that, and that's, that's the beauty of, of uh, you know, of uh, uh, this time of year um, because you just put yourself in position and, you know, somebody sprains an ankle and all of a sudden you have a path to the, uh, to the Eastern conference finals. Um, But yeah, listen, Jalen Brunson's first um, home playoff game as a Nick uh, Josh Hart's first career home playoff game. Um, A lot of cool stuff going on. I expect the garden to react and, and, and encourage and lift up guys like IQ and Grimes and Barrett um, because RJ has a ton of supporters and, 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 you know, people, are twenty? You're, you're an RJ hater, yada yada. Listen, nobody, everybody would like Barrett to play well. The reality, right. we, we have to deal with reality. And if he's not a net positive, he's not contributing to winning basketball. Knicks have to go in an opposite direction. Yeah, no, that's the, again, like that's a weird thing about like, you know, people have their favorites on their team. Like I understand yeah. it. Like I have said on the show, we top my favorite player on the Knicks. Like I, I'm not 
afraid of saying that. But like at the end of the day, I think everybody wants the Knicks to win basketball games and to <laughs> succeed overall. So we're saying, hey, a guy isn't getting it done. Needs something needs done. It's not. It doesn't mean you hate the guy. It just means that something has to be done because the team is not winning, and in part because of their performance. It's not all on RJ. Um, I've I don't know how many times I've said Emmanuel quickly needs to play a lot better. In some ways, I think quickly struggles have exacerbated Barrett's struggles. Like, but like because when Barrett has struggled like this, normally what happens is quickly picks up the slack. He gives you eighteen or twenty, and you're like, all right, Knicks won that game because quickly was great, but like RJ needs to pick it up. Like the fact that you're not getting that from quickly makes now Barrett being inconsistent or not, not being efficient. It, it stands out more because it's like, you cannot have a starter getting that many shots in that many minutes and essentially giving you nothing in terms of off- offense. So, so that's, that's what it is. I, I, you know, I got a lot of love for RJ. I know, I know we, we all want to see RJ succeed, but this is the playoffs and it's about getting to the uh, next round. That's all that matters at this point. So Knicks Cavs, a 8.30. By the way, I, I do got to say one thing, too, because you said two things. One, on the, the, the 8.30 start, they got a – it's a Friday, so it's a little different, but Charles Brockie said it a couple of days ago because the Denver Nuggets game started at 10.30 for a Mountain Time team. That's an 8.30 start there during a school night in the middle of the week. NBA has to do a better job with some the start times of these games. I know that you have some Western Conference teams like Memphis that are, you know, essentially East teams, basically, because they're in the central time zone, but – uh, there have been too many really late stars. There was a 10:30 Sunday night Nuggets game. Like they got to fix this. And, 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 and Minnesota, which meant it was 9:30 right. Minnesota time. What if you're a right. 10-year-old kid that's a burgeoning, you know, that's a big Timberwolves fan? You got to ask your, you know, can you maybe stay up for the first quarter of the most important game of the year? It's crazy, man. And not, yeah. not to mention the fact there are two must-see games on TV tonight that the East Coast is not going to see. The the Kings yeah. Warriors game, fascinating game. We've talked about Draymond and all that stuff. Yeah. That tips off at 10. Um, and then you have the uh, Phoenix LA game. And uh, that's, that doesn't start till 1030. Um, and and who, it, that's the scheduled start times. So who knows if it starts at 1037 or 1045 yeah. or 1051. Um, so I totally agree with you. Good point. I, I meant to mention that as well. They, the NBA has got to do something to, to, to work around that. Yeah. And it's weird because I feel like Major League Baseball does a great job with how they time out the game. They have day games during the week. Yep. And yep. like maybe in 1999, Maybe it's harder to do that kind of thing. In 2023, people can stream games on their phone. People work at home and watch TV. People work at their office and watch games at their office. Like, I just don't think that needing to play in prime time for all your games is necessary. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have uh, certain slates that are, you know, in 7.30, 8.30, 10 o'clock slots. But it shouldn't be every game we start has to start no earlier than 7. Like, have a game that starts at 5 p.m. on a Thursday. Yep. That's not that big a deal. Have a game that starts at 4 – on a Friday, have a game that starts at 4 p.m. A lot of yep. people get off work early anyway. I guarantee you you'll sell out. It's not going to affect ticket sales at all. Like, they, that is something they got to fix. And then on the other thing I want to mention on the tick price, ticket prices, that is one of the very unfortunate things. And it's funny. I was talking to my girlfriend about it because, you know, she's a big Beyonce fan. And getting these Beyonce tickets has been a disaster for a lot of Beyonce fans. And what's happening is a lot of people are deciding, yo, I'm just going to go to, you know, Switzerland or go to, uh, you know, the New Amsterdam, you know, Holland and go to like, you know, Amsterdam and watch it there because, you know, there's uh, there's laws in place where you can't charge but so much or tickets to any venue or any show or any sporting event. And, you know, I know, you know, our politicians are, you know, probably not in a position because of their conflicting interests to do something about it, which sucks for us American fans. 
but yep. that is something that is a problem because it, it shouldn't be a situation where somebody has to you know pay basically give up their 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 total rent for a month to go to a Knicks playoff game. That 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 just should not happen. Yeah, I mean, how many 15-year-old kids are going to get to go to a, a Knicks game? You know, unless your parents are really wealthy, um, not too many. And and to, to, to your point, the fact that it's cheaper to get a plane ticket, fly to a, a foreign country to watch a concert than it is to, to watch it at the Garden when you live three miles away is insanity. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I'm not, not in the business of giving money props to Cleveland right now because, you know, we're all in the same, uh, you know, what's so good about Cleveland, uh, you know, energy right now, but, like, my homie uh, Big Zoo, shout out to Big Zoo at WFAN. Like he's like, yo, I'm seeing tickets for Cleveland Cavs game, twenty nine dollars to get in to see Cavs versus Knicks. He's like, should I take the flight to Cleveland? I know that's gonna be cheap, and right. just go to the game there. It's like that that you shouldn't. It shouldn't be a situation where flying to Cleveland and buying tickets to the Cavs game is uh, way less expensive than taking a metro card, but then yep. having to pay the eight hundred dollars to get into Madison Square Garden. Like that, something's not right there. And, um, I hope somebody does something about it. I, I'm not. I'm not holding my breath, but it just. Right. I'm hoping maybe the Knicks and team to get more playoff appearances. Maybe this will come more of an issue. Something. Somebody does something about it. But, uh, again, 8:30 start. Cavs Knicks game three. Man, it's going to be absolutely awesome. I cannot wait to see uh, what energy guard is on. That's going to be a lot of fun.